let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for your word, that it is so powerful. It's so sharp. It can cut through marrow and bone, soul and spirit. And so I pray by the power of your word, you would illuminate who you are to us. You would illuminate who we are to the world this morning. And we thank you that even when it doesn't make sense, it's working. Your word is powerful and we receive it as a gift in this place in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we've been talking about what it means to be big people. Everyone say big people. Yes. Kingdom people who choose. This doesn't just happen. Big people choose to live in God's family by his system and his economy. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, you need to go back and watch last week's message. I believe it is a word for 2024 for our community that will shape and build something powerful and profound and dynamic within us. And we spoke about the signature traits of big people. Big people get sonship. They live by a system of surrender and they believe in sowing. And so what we're doing in this very short series as we lead up to Vision Sunday, and Dylan's very excited to get back next Sunday. I'm sure you're all excited to have him back, right? He's probably watching, so you wanna go, yay! <laughs> go, Dylan. Okay, so he's back <laughs> next Sunday. That was very awkward, I know, but I do miss him. Um, he's back next Sunday, so we are in this very short series but to set us up for Vision Sunday, and what we're trying to do is partner with the Word of God to shape and build us as we step into the new year. Because, you know, we come into the new year with so many of our own good ideas and goals and strategies and thoughts, but there is nothing like His thoughts, His ways to shape the trajectory of our lives. Amen? And so big people is the word over us this year, I believe. It's who God is calling us to be. But one of the greatest challenges in realizing the bigness that we carry inside of us is our view and the mindset that we have of ourselves and the world around us. Most of us see a really big world with a lot of big problems and a very small me. We see it this way because we see ourselves from within the world rather than from a position in Him. Amen? See the difference? Eugene Peterson said it so well in his paraphrase of the Bible. It's called the Message Translation. If you struggle with the Bible in any form, making sense of it, one of the greatest things I ever did in the, my early years of forming a relationship with Jesus was to just read the message translation. It's a beautiful, poetic version of the Bible that just helps you get into the bigness of the story. And he says in Ephesians 1 verse 20, 23, the church, you see, that's us, is not peripheral to the world, but the world is peripheral to the church. Now, peripheral means to be placed on the side. And if you're talking about a peripheral system in the body, it's a secondary system. So there's, a, there's an order to things. And, and Eugene Peterson, I believe, caught something so beautiful. And he took the words of Paul in Ephesians 1 where he says, everything is under the feet of Jesus. It's all under him. It's under his authority. He is the head over everything. And Eugene Peterson takes those words and he gives them greater meaning and application for us today by saying that, the world is peripheral to the church. It's not at the center of our lives. It's at the peripheral. 
So do you remember that, that song, it's a small world after all, it's a small world after all. Okay, the title of my message is, it's a small world after all. And I hope you never forget that. And what we're going to do today, and my hope is what we will get through today, is we're going to put the world in its rightful place. Because things begin to look different, we make decisions differently, the whole of the way that we see ourselves is different when the world is put in its rightful place. And we're going to do that today by growing in our understanding together of who Jesus is and who we are because of him. And so you will have heard this statement before many times, Jesus is the light. Yes, okay? In John 8, Jesus makes a statement. He says, I am the light of the world. And what he's doing is he's, there's a, there's, in the Old Testament, God calls himself I am, right? And then what Jesus does in the, in the New Testament is he builds upon these statement of, in, huh, he builds upon the statement of I am in the New Testament and calls himself the light of the world. He says, I am the light of the world. And I told you last week, you need to remember this, it's so important when you read scripture, the overarching purpose of Jesus here on earth was to reveal the Father. And so what he's constantly doing throughout his journey here on earth is he's linking himself to the Father. And so this statement, I am the light of the world, is inextricably linked to who the Father is and his relationship with Jesus. It's rooted in the Father. And so let's go to John 8. I want you to open your Bibles if you have them. If you don't, it is a great practice to bring it to church. Gets it off the shelf. Encourages you to read it beyond this moment. And what happens in the beginning of this chapter is Jesus has rescued a woman who's been caught in the act of adultery. She's been dragged into the synagogue by the Pharisees. She's been caught in the act of adultery, dragged into the synagogue. And what should happen is she should be stoned to death, okay? But the Pharisees are gonna use this moment to try and catch Jesus out, and they say to him, what do you say of this woman? What are you gonna do to her? And what Jesus does is he uses this moment to challenge and teach the Pharisees, and basically he's showing them that he has come the fulfillment of the law. And as the fulfillment of the law, he demonstrates mercy towards her. He sends her free without any condemnation. And so we have that beautiful story where we realize Jesus comes with no judgment and no condemnation. And his very next statement to the people is this, in verse 12. When Jesus spoke to them again, to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as you as your own witness, your, your testimony is not valid. And Jesus answered, even if I testify on my behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I come from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father. So what is Jesus saying? He's saying, I'm the light of the world. And the implication here is that the world is dark and it needs light. And the only light strong enough for the darkness in the world is Jesus. 
He's the one that can illuminate all things by his grace and his mercy without condemnation. Have you ever started watching a series like Crown, for example, and you put it on in like series four? Chap- uh, what? I keep saying chapter. It's because I don't watch a lot of TV <laughs> episodes. Yes. I should really get into Netflix. Anyway. So you turn on the TV and you put it on episode five of season four and it makes absolutely no sense. That's because you started watching it halfway through. It's confusing when you don't have the full story, when you don't uh, understand how or what everything has come from. You don't know the plot line. And so what do you do? You go back to series one, episode one, so that you can understand how you arrived here. The same is true of the scriptures. When we struggle to make sense of it all, when this happens, I want to encourage you to go back to the beginning. And so for those of you struggling to make sense of the statement, this metaphorical picture of Jesus as the light, I want to take us back to the beginning where light began. And so let's go to Genesis 1, verse 1. It says, in the beginning, you've probably read this many times, it's going to help us. Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. He separated the light from the darkness. So what do we know when we go back to this beginning? We know that God, who is Father, Son, and Spirit, creates the world. He made the world. The world did not come up with itself. There is an order to things, and it all starts with God. And we're told that the world, there's no form or substance to it. There's nothing to it. It's small. It's malleable. It's part of a bigger picture, something that can be constructed. The Hebrew for that word, those words without form and void, are the words tohu wabohu. (laughs) I know. It sounds like chaos. It means chaos. So those words, tohu, wabohu, are helping us understand that the world is in chaos. There's nothing to it. It's dark. The world without light is dark. And yet, even in that darkness, it says the Spirit of God is there, hovering over the darkness. And it's only when light is created that order and clarity and form and substance enter into the story. In the beginning... God chooses to separate the light from the darkness. He chooses to make a distinction distinction between the two right from the very start. So I wanna talk a little bit about darkness because that's gonna help us understand the light. There's something you don't know about me. You might think you know a lot about me, but one of the things I don't share very often, but I'm gonna tell you because it's gonna help you today, is that I'm actually really afraid of the dark. been like this since I was a child. I don't really understand why, but I was the one that always checked under my bed to make sure there wasn't something there. I was the one that slept with a Bible under my pillow because I thought that would help me have good dreams. I think it did. And I was the one that turned the lights on, the bathroom, the passage, the baby light, the big light. Anyway, if you have slept anywhere near me, you will know that it is a very light experience at night time. It helps me to sleep. And But what that is, is that's a physical darkness, right? Like those slides where you go in in the tunnel and then it's very dark, you can't see anything. Like I literally can't breathe in those things. They are terrible and should be all taken down. Yes, (laughs) 
terrible. So this is a physical reality of darkness, but there's a spiritual reality and truth to what we need to catch so we can understand who Jesus is and what we carry because of him. And that darkness is the Greek word skotia. It's not talking about physical darkness. It's talking about an ignorance of divine things, a want for the light, an evil or a wickedness. And you may have heard someone in your world say before, that person just had something really dark about them. Like I watched this movie and it was dark. We talk about the world as being dark. And this means that there's something void, there's something missing, it's shapeless without form, there's an absence of light. And one theologian said something really powerful. They said, one reason the darkness around us is so terrifying is that we see so much of ourselves in it. Our weaknesses, our fear, our brokenness, our sin. For many of us, no darkness is more intimidating than our own. But the hope and the truth is for us, for you who may be sitting here today hiding in the dark, Perhaps you're feeling stuck, you can't see your way through, you're paralyzed by fear. The darkness of yourself and this world is threatening your peace. If there is a spiritual void within you, if there is a lack of shape and form, something is missing. The truth over us today is that he even sees us in the dark. And I live by this scripture, you can write it down and live by it too. Psalm 139 in the message says, is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit, to be out of sight. If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on morning's wings to the far western horizon, you'd find me in a minute. You're already there waiting. And then I said to myself, oh, he even sees me in the dark. At night, I am immersed in the light. It's a fact. Darkness isn't dark to you. Night and day, darkness and light are all the same to you. He is the light, and his light can push back the darkness with more power and compassion than anything you can attempt on your own. So let's go back to John 8. We know now that the world is dark, and Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And we can make sense of what he's saying. He's teaching them that there is only one solution to the darkness of the world. And that is himself. He's the light. He confirms that he was present at creation. He would have played a role in fashioning and fashioning light and separating it from the darkness. He's the author of light. And he has the power to illuminate his creation in its truest form. How amazing would it be to see ourselves in our truest form? To put ourselves in the correct context. Big people, small world. Jesus is the only one who has the power and the authority and the ability to reveal to us who we were truly created to be. He is the only one that can shift the mindset that you carry of yourself and the world around you. You can go and see all the people, you can do all the tests and the strength binders and the enneagrams and tell me all your numbers and things and there's absolutely nothing wrong with doing self-development and doing the work and figuring out who yourself and who you are and becoming more self-aware but let me tell you the truth is there is no one who can illuminate who you truly were created to be like Jesus Christ himself amen
He is the only one who can give us the vision to see who we were created to be on this small world. And last week, I helped us understand that the world rejected Jesus, but to all who would receive him, he gives them the right to become children of God, sons and daughters of God. So we know that, and we know that we were created in the image of God. Genesis 1 verse 27 tells us that God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Man and woman, he created them. And so if we are co-heirs with Christ, sons and daughters of God, given the right to become children of God, and Jesus says, I am the light of the world, it makes sense that he would call, then call us what? the light of the world, because we carry who he is here on earth. So let's go to Matthew 5, where he makes this bold statement. So he said to them, I'm the light of the world. And now he's saying to them again, you are the light of the world. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on it stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I'm here to help us understand this morning that we are the light of the world too. Amen? 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 5 says, you are children of the light. Children of the day, we do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So what does this actually mean? I'm pretty sure you've sat in church before, perhaps this church, other churches, and you've heard the statement, you're the light of the world. We like to post that stuff. We like to talk about it. But what actually does it mean? What does it mean for our practical everyday lives? You are the light of the world. Because I know what happens. We take hold of these statements. We're like, yes. And then we step into our chaotic lives and we're like, I don't know how to do that or be that. And so to help myself understand what it means to live as the light of the world, I've been asking myself the question, what does light bring to the darkness? What does physical light bring to the physical darkness? It brings clarity and order, it brings warmth, and it brings growth and life. So how do we put the world in its place? How do we live as the light of the world? How do we remind ourselves that we are big people in a small world? We receive Jesus as the light of the world by faith, amen? And then we live as the light by bringing clarity and order. We recently moved out of our home because we did a short-term rental opportunity thing. And anyone who has moved, I just say great respect to you. Nikki Stone moving to an island in the middle of the ocean, in the middle of nowhere. Big thing. Moving is hard. It's stressful. There's this chaos of packing and unpacking. And it feels like every single day someone is like, Mom, I can't find my every day. And so there's this constant chaos that I feel like I'm living in. We're outside of our normal routine, outside of our home, constantly digging through bags. 
And I really have had to give myself consistent pep talks. That is something I wanna help you with this year. Sometimes we just need to give ourselves a pep talk. Get over it. Come on, you can do it. It's helpful. And so in this moment of living outside of my normal routine and bags and all the things, I've to help myself transition our little family into the new year well, I have had to bring light to the table, clarity and order to the table. I've come up with a plan. I've had to rise above my own preference and my own feelings. I've had to ask for help, humbling. I've had to ask people to come and help me, get the kids ready for school, get everything sorted so that we can start the new year strong. I've communicated, used my words to order and shape something, to make clear my expectations so that the chaos can be ordered and everyone is clear on what's going on. As light bearers, children, of God, big people, we carry authority to bring clarity and order to a dark world. How? It's a great question. With what? The Word of God. The Bible is our absolute authority. It is so tempting in this generation on the earth to find authority and make sense of our existence through media, through other people, through what we see around us. But the Bible is our absolute authority. It is the only thing that can handle what is going on in the world. It brings order and clarity. His word in my mouth is as powerful as his word in his mouth. Amen? And we have the power of his word that can shape the world around us. And one of the greatest ways that we can be the light in the world is to use his word to bring order and truth and clarity and hope, wisdom to the world. There is nothing like the word of God to clarify the human spirit. The Bible tells us that the word is like a sword, sharp. It can cut through marrow and bone, soul and spirit. It can penetrate through the things that we just can't make sense of. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. It does not need our opinion, our input, our emphasis, or our help. Amen? As I've grown in my relationship with God, I realize that we can often read the Word. We pick up the Bible, we just open it, we read it, we're like, okay, but we're reading it through our frame of reference, through our lens, the mindsets that we have. And then what we do is we share the word from our point of view, from our experience of the world. And what happens is that can come across tainted and our world, tainted by our worldviews and our mindsets and our judgments. His word does the work all by itself. And it does it in a way that brings absolute clarity and order to the table. It illuminates and exposes. We do not need to do that because what the word does is it does that without judgment, without shame, amen? So we can share the truth just as it is and trust that it will do the heavy lifting with mercy and grace. And when you get to know Jesus and you read about him and you learn about his life, you'll, you learn that he's the savior of the world. 
He's a perfect friend. He's, he's this incredible divine human who gave up his life for a very dark world. The Bible tells us when we were of no use to him, Christ died. He does that. And so when you read scripture, that's the lens through which we should read it. There is no condemnation. There is no criticism. There is no canceling. There is no shame in Jesus Christ. Amen? Be the light and you will bring clarity and order to a dark world. Light carriers also bring warmth to the world. I'm not sure if you're aware, but the world is not only dark, it's also hurting. There's so much despair, so much loss, incredible disappointment, far too much stress. Can we work on our stress levels, people, in Jesus' name? I'm talking to myself here. There is so much confusion, so much pain. The Bible tells us we're the light of the world. That means we carry the warmth of the heart of the Father the comfort of who he is to a world that's desperately crying out for him. And as children of light, we hold what it means to be this. We have it. Jesus says you are this. You have it. You have everything you need to be warmth to this world. And big people are not just brave and confident and secure and front-footed and consistent, courageous. They're also kind, Big people place the utmost value on all people because he places the utmost value on all people. And you may be sitting here this morning feeling immense pressure to be something you just can't be right now. You're like, Tess, this all sounds amazing, but I'd, I don't even know how to be in church right now with my situation. You may not see a way out. Life can maybe may look incredibly dark for you right now. I wanna say to you this morning, you're in the right place. You're in the right place because Holy Spirit is here. He's here. The comforter is here. The smile of God is here. His warmth is here. But the truth is, it doesn't stay here. It walks out of these doors with you into your world. That's the truth of God. You don't need to only come here to get what you need from him. It's a powerful, powerful place to be. But the truth is, I'm here to remind you that what is here is out there too. And at some point, we're all gonna need the rest of the body to carry us in a season. We're gonna need that. Perhaps this is the season that you need that. The last two years of my life, this church has carried me. I can honestly say I would not have been able to stand here with the posture and authority and confidence and grace that I have right now if it were not for this church who have carried me in one of the darkest seasons of my soul. And so I wanna say thank you to you, but I also wanna remind you that, you know, when your arm breaks, you don't cut your arm off because it's not doing what it's supposed to do. Amen? Who does that? What do we do? We take care of that arm. We put it in a sling. We go and see people who know how to fix broken stuff. Amen? Yes? We go and find people who can help us to rehabilitate that arm, to help it to get its strength back. 
We don't just hide out in our homes and hope that if we strap it for the next 100 years, it's gonna be fine. We put ourselves around people who can help us build a big and beautiful life. Do not cut yourself off from people who can help you build a big and beautiful life. And the light of the world brings life to the world. In the Old Testament, Old Testament, the people believed that light was a sign of blessing and life. And so Jesus says, you are the light of the world. We are the light of the world. Now take life into this dark world. Bring blessing and life wherever you go. Add value. My children were at Ashton for a season of time. It was amazing. And I'll never forget this little campaign that they did. It was called be a bucket filler, don't be a bucket dipper. Loved it. As children of God who emulate Christ, that means we reflect Him here on earth by carrying His light. We do not have the luxury of sucking the life out of every room that we're a part of. When we walk into environments and communities and spaces and places, the mandate, the mission, the assignment for all of us is to bring life to that place. As you enter this year, can I ask you to ask the question, am I a bucket filler or am I a bucket dipper? Do I add value or am I consuming everywhere I go? Do I dominate conversations or am I willing to listen and grow? What would it look like for me to bring life through my words, my posture, my actions, my stance, my conviction? I don't know about you, but I wanna be a catalyst of life. When you spend time in my presence, I want you to walk away and feel like, wow, she just made me feel alive. She just made me feel like I matter. I want people to feel like they're radically important when they're in my presence. Light carriers are birthing agents. They release life and they nurture it into being. They raise leaders. They believe in generational impact. And so no matter their age, no matter your age, you look for ways to inspire and catalyze life around you. And do you know what happens when the light shines into the darkness of the world? Everyone sees him. That's the beauty. It's not about us. Everyone sees him. And it says in Matthew 5, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, giving light to everyone in the house. So shine shine so that others would see him, him. I um, recently took my daughters, I took all of them actually, took the four of them, <laughs> forgetting. Uh, I took my children, <laughs> friends, my brain, I uh, took all of the children to see the movie Wish. Disney's movie Wish, it was beautiful. And I'm so grateful I did. It really inspired me. Can you play? I think if it needs like a Disney song. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I don't, I don't mean you have to play Disney. That would be so, that would be putting you on the spot. Just something beautiful. It's fine. <laughs> oh, he's like freaking out. He's like, this woman has lost her mind. I have a little bit. It's okay. And so I went to see Wish, go and watch it, it's amazing. And the whole story is that this evil guy has stolen all the people's wishes. He tells them he's gonna 
make them all come true, but he's actually not. He's controlling them because he thinks he knows which, all the, which ones should come true and which shouldn't. And anyway, this amazing Disney girl, princess, fighter, amazing. She figures this out and she's like, I need to win the wishes back. And um, she goes on this journey to rescuing, rescuing all these wishes. And it obviously, I'm so sorry I'm ruining it, but I have to tell you the story to make my point. It won't detach, uh, detract from the movie at all. And so it gets to the point where he's now trying to overcome her efforts. The evil is trying to overcome good. Um, and she begins to sing about the light, about the star that's, that will guide her home. And she sings a line at a time, and each time she finds the courage to sing a line, he like stomps on her hand and, you know, stops her. Um, and the whole town is watching, and she keeps persisting, singing, and he stops her, singing, and he stops her. And eventually he says to her, you should really learn how to give up. And I thought, wow, that sounds very much like the devil. Hey church, when are you gonna learn to give up? And yet the song rises up in her and she begins to sing a little louder. So I look up at the stars that guide me. It's quiet, no one's watching. So I look up at the stars inside me and I'm begging you to see it as a sign. And it's this incredible moment where she, her courage and her tenacity and her perseverance um, catalyzes the whole town to find their courage too. And they all begin to sing one at a time. So I'll make this wish. And then another person, so I'll make this wish. And before we know it, the whole town has found their courage and their conviction again. And they're singing about this light inside them that's gonna guide them home. It's the light that shines within. And they realize that together they have everything that they need to conquer evil. And of course, they do. It's their unity, what they see inside of them that sets them free. I just thought to myself, that sounds, that looks an awful lot like the gospel. Where we see that Jesus is the light and then we realize, oh, I'm the light. I have everything I need inside of me to live in this dark world and to bring light to it because who he is lives inside of me too. We are big people in a small world. And I wanna encourage you to see the bigness of God that lives in you. It's not you, it's not me. We're not that good. It's Him and He has placed all of Himself all of his power, all of his authority, all of his love, all of his light in us. Would you stand? Online, you can stand too.
many things that we're going to do this year that are exciting and powerful and life-changing. But I would love us to consider right at the start what it would mean to go after one thing, to be big people and put the world in its rightful place. To live as citizens of heaven, kingdom people, because friends, we're just passing through here. This is not our forever home. This is not where we're gonna end up. It's just a small world after all. We're building here, believing here for a new day in a new heaven, in a new earth, a day where there will be no more darkness. I will never have to be afraid of the dark again. Amen? There will be no sickness. There will. It is a place where death cannot exist. It says He will wipe every tear from our eyes and He will restore to us everything that the locust has stolen. That is what we are building and believing for. And so here today, despite our circumstances and what we see around us, we can be big people in a small world. You, you church are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Now go 